After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Red Circle now instead of Podbean, but also Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can also find us on the Five Reasons YouTube channel where you can find lots of other things, including plenty of content on the Miami Dolphins. If you just hit the like and subscribe buttons and fivereasonsports.com, that is our article site we do not have a paywall also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network this is where you should be betting god they've even got greg sylvander making money go to betteredge.com that's b-e-t-o excuse me b-e-t-t-o-r edge.com backslash five reasons you'll get twenty dollars to play this is legal betting this is not the offshore stuff this is legal betting what's really cool about it though you're betting against other people who are using the product you're not betting against the book so you can find the line that you want which is a really cool feature so go to betteredge.com backslash five reasons again betteredge.com backslash five reasons and you get twenty dollars to play and now i'm on the ir just for an episode or two so today's episode, you'll be surprised who shows up. Down uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. With me on tonight's episode, not Ethan Skolnick. We thought it was going to be Ethan Skolnick, but he he all of a sudden... Um, uh, is not on the show. We think he fell asleep, but we don't know that for sure. Um, we hope you're okay, Ethan, wherever you are. Uh, with me is Alex Toledo at Tropical Blanket. And tonight's floor plan, we are perusing around the Eastern Conference, folks. So we um, previewed the Philadelphia 76ers. So we got a full Sixers breakdown. Now we are shifting gears to the Toronto Raptors. So who better? to break down the Toronto Raptors than our own. And it's cool to say our own. And it's really weird for me to be on this side of the podcast with you, Gianni. Like, honestly, we have Giancarlo Navas of Miami Heapy, but also well-known, renowned Toronto Raptor enthusiast 
and also uh, is highly knowledgeable on the Raptors in general. So we have brought him aboard to talk us through the Toronto Raptors, get into the team. Alex is shaking his head and rolling his eyes as probably all of our listeners are also doing collectively, but I'm excited for this G cause like you're usually the host. I never run point. I was, a, I was only a two. Now I get to run the one you get to um, play on the wings a little bit more. How are you doing, sir? Boys, I am jabbed up with my Omicron, 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 whatever you say it, uh, new booster. I'm, I'm hopped up, ready to go. I have takes. It's good to see your beautiful faces. Alex, always not smiling. Uh, shout out to Ethan. Hope you're doing well. Rocking my Toronto Raptors championship edition hat. I have a heat one over here. You know, if this is on video. I don't know. I got the Miami one. But Leif, I am so happy to be here. I'm excited. Listen, it's a dream come true to talk Raptors on podcasts. I don't want to talk heat anymore. I talk heat so many hours. I'm here to talk about OGN and Nobi. I'm here to talk about Fred Van Vliet, my boys up there in the six. Okay, calm it down. Calm I already down. regret doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Just, all right. All Biggest right, mistake right. you made, Ethan. <laughs> So right, I literally came on like I'm like, oh, we're doing a pod with with G tonight, and then I asked like right before the show starts, what are we what are we doing the pod on? Wait, the Raptors for real? <laughs> oh, that that is so that actually happened, and also for a little bit of background on the awkward opening about Ethan, um, Ethan had knee surgery today or some sort of scope, and um, he was supposed to host tonight, and all of a sudden he um didn't answer so like we had a completely crazy start to how we that now you guys are seeing how the sausage is made um as we dive into the toronto raptor specifically so here's the common thread i guess um that heat fans can can at least appreciate i think and i heard a show recently where nikaias duncan was on and i can't remember the gentleman's name who whose podcast it was so i apologize to him in advance but they talked about how the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat, from a defensive perspective, if there were two teams you were going to be watching to really learn defense, it would be those two teams because of the amount of uh, switching of coverages, mid-possession, and just all of the different crazy stuff that they do. Um, that's probably more X's and O's driven, and we'll get to that later in the show. But, G, just kind of start us off. Tell us about what the Toronto Raptors did over the off season. I'm under the impression they didn't do much, but sometimes there's these names like the Raptors have this, uh, their own culture. So there could be like a ninth man coming up. That's going to all of a sudden be great. What did they do over the summer that I need to know about? I think the biggest impact, and he's honestly one of the free agents that I thought Miami should have gone hard after Uh, former champion of last year's Warriors teams, Otto Porter Jr., He's a Raptor now. He fits in perfectly to everything they do. He's one of those six, eight, six, nine guys who can shoot, who can switch, who can dribble a little bit. And he just fits into everything that they do in those really mutant monster lineups. And he's a guy that I think Toronto and Miami have similar needs, especially on the wings and stuff like that. So he's a guy that I would have loved in Miami. I think he would have been a guy to fit in really nicely. Uh, next, you know, kind of replacing PJ Tucker, but unfortunately, that's not how that went. Uh, but that's that signing, I think, is really big. Uh, not just because I don't even think, guys, it's like the value of okay, we add this guy. I just think taking him away from their competitors means a lot because he could have helped. He could have really helped Milwaukee. He could have helped Milwaukee a ton. Could have helped Miami, the Clippers, 
uh, Philadelphia, even, you know, if, if they had gone a different route, uh, a little bit cheaper. So there's a lot of teams. Boston could have used them. There's a lot of teams that could have used a guy like him. So I thought that was their biggest move of the offseason. I think it was one of the more underrated moves of this offseason. And uh, I know that he's a little older and he had some down years in Chicago, but if his play with the Warriors indicated anything, it's that that guy still has something left in the tank to help championship teams. I think it's interesting you went there. Um, I know we led into what changed. They didn't have a draft pick, so you're right. That is, Otto Porter Jr. was the only guy. And I know that there were parts of the offseason where I heard him connected to Miami. Um, as I kind of reconcile the information I was getting at the time, I think it was probably bullshit, frankly. Um, I don't think they were that interested. But at the time, that was the information that was floating around Um Alex, let's kind of turn the page away from what they didn't do and talk about, I think what a lot of like the smartest NBA people may say is one of the more, um, and G, keep me honest here, because you're more plugged into NBA, like the general NBA population than I am. But Alex, Scotty Barnes, like, is he the quintessential best wing prospect in the league right now? What is your thoughts on him? Because he was like the guy that like you could not trade for Kevin Durant in the middle of the off season. Like um, I know that like Zach Lowe has said things about Scotty Barnes being like one of the most valuable player assets in the league. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of him, frankly, because I try to not watch the Toronto Raptors just specifically to piss off Giancarlo. Um, but like, what do you think about Scotty Barnes? annoying that the Raptors got him because it looks like he was built in a lab to play <laughs> the Toronto Raptors. He looked like he was built in a lab to play for Nick Nurse. And it's just annoying that that he is one of those top prospects. Now, I think it's either him. If you're talking about top wing prospects, uh, it's him or Kate Cunningham, right? I think I'm probably more of a Kate guy just because I always lean towards playmakers. But I think both of them are, are kind of A prospects, right? Like you can't really – uh, go wrong with either one. I just think Kate has the potential to be kind of a, you know, a, a top playmaker and fit that archetype for you uh, sooner than later. I think he's already a two-way guy. Regardless, that's not what we're here to talk about. I think Scotty Barnes is is going to be like the, the X factor. And I know that's, you know, general corny NBA talk, corny sports talk when you talk about uh, X factors, right? But like his development, he is one of those guys where, he could have a major leap in year two based on his athletic prowess. The fact that he's already kind of pretty strong and physical. It's not like he's one of those guys who really has to grow into his body a lot more. Like he could just keep growing for all we know, but uh, I think he's generally pretty skilled all around. And so if he has a massive year two leap, I think that's how the Raptors have a path to be, you know, um, getting to be a team that can uh, make a late run. Cause I think as of right now, they look like a pretty frisky team. They're the classic. You don't want to play them in the first round team along with the Heat. But um, I think all of it kind of depends on Scotty Barnes and just how much he can develop within a season because I think we saw how much he did get better as the season went on, right? Same thing with Cade, right? But just in general, that is kind of what's going to separate them being a cute story team to, a, you know, a real frisky competitive team that has a long shot at the conference finals. I like the the use of the word frisky there multiple times. It'll be interesting to see when they get to become a scrappy team. Uh, G is Scotty Barnes 
that good. I guess I want to hear your opinions on on Scotty Barnes. I'm staying here for a minute because I feel like he is really the 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 biggest piece of the Toronto Raptors future. So correct me if I'm wrong, but also I want to know and you have your Toronto Raptors hat on, so this is perfect timing. Put on your Toronto Raptors hat. Would you have traded Barnes for KD? Given the circumstances, I mean, all, all things aside, I mean, I guess I don't know what the deal is. There's a lot of details missing, but like face value, how do you feel about that? And what's the upside of Scotty Barnes in year two? So I'll start with the KD question. Anytime you can get one of the 10 best players who ever played in basketball, I think you, you, you do it, right? Unless you're giving up a guy that you think is is like, close to MVP or defensive player of the year potential. I think you think about it, but a guy like, I mean, I think Scotty's a, a really good player. I think he's a fantastic. I think he's probably him and Kate are, are the two best wing prospects in the league. I personally kind of would prefer Scotty. Kate has more of like a scoring upside. Scotty didn't have a great shooting season last year, but he did a lot of other things that it's really well. Uh, Coach David Thorpe came on my podcast last year, who is probably one of the people I respect the most uh, in the NBA. And all he did was glow about Scotty Barnes. Just Scotty Barnes' character, what he does as a teammate, the decision-making process that he does on the court, his IQ, uh, how he improves, gets better, the way he moves with and without the ball. He's a stud. He, he's a he's a good, good young player. But, you know, is he going to be a five-time All-Star? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. I think bets are against him doing that, which, honestly, being a five-time All-Star is hard. That's really hard. Pascal Siakam might not be a five-time All-Star, and he's really, really good. You know what I mean? There's a ton of guys that are like that. So I know that that's a little divisive uh, for Raptors fans. I would have done it because, I mean, if you bring KD in and if you can keep Pascal, you know, you can play Durant, Pascal, you know, Van Vliet, and all of a sudden you have that bit of a kick to your offense that you needed. You're still going to be really good defensively. And I think that they probably, I don't think the East is as dominant as it should be. I think Boston I know that they made the finals last year, but there's a lot of question marks. I I think Miami showed you the formula to bother Tatum, and he was not very good that series, and he was not very good against the, the Warriors either. And I think when there's too much Jalen Brown happening, that's typically not good for the Celtics. And they have their other – I mean, Jimmy was hunting alleged defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. So they're not as airtight as I think Boston fans or New England media might have you feel. I think see. Milwaukee – Listen, Milwaukee's getting older by the second. They are, you know, their depth is leaking out from every corner of their team. And I think they have the best player in the league. But obviously, we saw that last year that wasn't enough. I know that Middleton was hurt. Obviously, we know Miami is going to be in the mix. And Philadelphia is just a walking comedy show. You know what I mean? So I don't know <laughs> if you can even include them in any kind of serious contention talk. So you bring KD on your team, on a team that you already know is good, and you bring in a guy of that caliber, you know, I think you have a legit shot at a title. And if you're Toronto where you're not this huge free agent destination, you got to do trades like the Kawhi trade. You got to yep. take some risks. That's that move again. You got to take it. those risks. You're not Miami. You're not the Lakers. You cannot sit on your laurels because eventually guys are going to want to come here because you live in a, they don't live in this country and it's a pain in the ass. I, I, every, every player I've heard talk about going through customs is just, they don't like going through customs at 3am to get home and stuff like that. It's just annoying. And you know, being an American citizen, it's just what players want to do. So a lot of factors here, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Scott, I'm a big Scotty Barnes guy. I mean, he's 
fits into everything they want to do. I think the Raptors kind of sometimes operate like a football team where like, like an NFL team where like a coach has a vision of like, I want to run this kind of stuff. And they kind of draft to do that kind of style. I don't think the NBA does that as often. Because I, I, it's funny. I maybe the and you think the NFL is more cooks in the kitchen. The NBA doesn't really do that. They just kind of really just get who's the best play, player available. Yep. The Raptors are building toward a vision, and I think we saw it in action last year. I think they're missing a little bit of offensive punch, which could be Barnes, could be KD. But what they're building is is pretty exciting. And uh, the fact that they got a prospect play. like him off like a somewhat down year, I mean that's pretty impressive when you think about it right because it's like they did not really make much of an effort tank or anything other than the fact that nobody was really taking that uh season serious it's just like they had one semi down year down year whatever you want to call it and then all of a sudden you have this guy who now everybody you know it's not like they had to do the whole process thing right since you're gonna you know uh, take jabs at the sixers here and by the way i want to circle back to some of those eastern conference takes at the end of the show because I know we're supposed to be focusing on the Raptors right now, but you had some heaters there. So I feel like we should do like quick hitters at the end because I know that we can uh, go on for long. Yeah, no, like we're going to, we need to fire up the hot take cannon. I like that he was going through the Eastern Conference poking holes in everybody because I think we've overcorrected since Miami hasn't made any moves and we think everybody's so scary and it's completely ridiculous. Um, but that's- Malcolm Brogdon shouldn't scare you people. Get a grip. Come on. Thank you. Please. Um, and also Boston, like that, that went down to seven to the last shot. Like, let's not act like they're like a diff- in a different class than the heat. Um, but again, let's not veer off too far. Um, I am interested to see you're right. G like they should have likely made that move. That's the Kawhi trade, except for you got a guy who's locked into a contract. And I think that they probably could have built around him in a way where they could have convinced him to stay. It's a little weird that they didn't pull the trigger on that. Um, but I, I don't know if Scotty Barnes, I mean, would you trade b- before we shift gears? Would you trade Scotty Barnes for Bam Adebayo? Who would you want the next seven years of their career? Oh, I'd take Bam, but I, I think Bam is like defensive player, like top 10 potential good. I don't, I don't know that Scotty's at, I mean, obviously we've only had one season of Scotty. So it's, it's really hard to make that kind of projection. I mean, what we have seen is Bam does things on defense that, I don't think really anybody in the league is doing. It's not just the guarding one through five. It's the doing different kinds of coverages while running offense, being a playmaker. I think what we saw in game six in the bubble, I, I think that's the high end. Being able not, to even, not even the high player. end. That's a version. What you say, Alex? Just being able to guard the team's best player, literally no matter who it is or what the archetype is. He can guard KD. He can guard Embiid. He can guard Steph Curry. Like, who can do that in the league? Who? It's not Marcus Smart, who won Defensive Player of the Year. It's not Rudy Gobert, who has as many Defensive Player of the Year trophies as he has off the money at this point. I think that's why people are so excited about um, Evan Mobley. But people, like, talk about Evan Mobley like there's nobody in the league doing what he's supposed to be. I mean, supposedly is going to be doing really soon. But, like, Bam has been doing this. You know, LeBron had that chase down block to win the finals, right? Against Iguodala. And everyone talks about what an incredible feat of defensive play that was, right? Which it was. Bam at the rim blocked the NBA wonder boy, the second coming of Kobe Bryant, 
this this player Jason Tatum that has been propped up and has been propagated by everyone all over the NBA sphere. And Bam met him at the summit, his wrist all the way back and blocked the shot at the rim in one of the most incredible and underrated defensive moments I've ever seen. Because if that was LeBron, we would talk about that very, very differently. If, if LeBron had blocked Iguodala that way, could you, the sports science guy would come back to ESPN just to talk about it. It'd be the new logo. It'd, It'd be really, the new logo, but it, Bam it, does it. You know, Mark Mark Jones and Doris Burke are the only people that care, and we move on and we make fun of the Heat for some reason. So, you're so right about the sports science guy, like that's <laughs> John Brinkus. <laughs> that's really Remember funny. Remember LeBron block splitter? <laughs> oh gosh, that guy people. went. That guy had a field day. I kept seeing him talk about the splitter block for like a month. It was great. It's no, crazy because but- like that one got more. I feel like that got talked about more, obviously, because it's LeBron. It was in the finals. Uh, but it was Tiago Splitter, dude. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about Tatum at the rim. It looked like he was about to get dunked on, and this was, like, to decide a game. Tatum beat Jimmy off the off the bounce. Like, you watch that again, Tatum beat Jimmy. Like, Are Jimmy got beat. Save Jimmy's legacy. Listen, <laughs> that, that is the greatest defensive play in Miami Heat history. So, like, that – I mean, we do acknowledge that – part of it and it like i'm i'm glad that you said you would rather take bam because the fans need to hear more of that i think personally um because you're right like alex alluded to the fact that he can guard all those guys literally no matter the archetype there's no leaks do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business then water cleanup of florida at 954-579-0356 is where you need to go for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their entire team is prepared to handle any type of leak detection issue 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged area. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, certified. They provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. Their service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach County. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell, 954-579-0356. Again, that's Water Cleanup of Florida, 954-579-0356. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They have 70-plus five-star Google reviews. Check them out. We co-sign them heavily. If you got the schmutz, they have the guts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, How would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right. Um, you like how I sneak that in there, right? Greatest, um, greatest no, so- ad read. You are as good as ad reads as Bam is on defense. The only <laughs> ad read that's better was the 9-11 ad read that that Sixer guy had. The direct, I- the direct. Oh, okay. Wait, chill, chill. That's a friend of the show. I think it's great. What are you talking about? That's legendary. It was uh, Keith Pompey. Legendary. Keith Pompey. You know, you know what I don't else? Know that I, you know I what's know who not that tough. Is, but but I, Pompey on Sixers is that what his that is? Um, I don't know what you guys are talking about, so I'm just gonna conveniently move on to the next segment as Ethan would push this thing along. Go to Directv. Uh, take a page out of his playbook. Um, I can so I mention rap- one thing about defensive plays because uh, and real quick because I I don't think this play gets mentioned. I think the second greatest defensive play in Heat history is one that I don't think anybody remembers, and it's truly, I think the. I think the craziest thing I've ever seen Dwayne Wade do where Tyson Chandler is rolling on a pick and roll. Oh. Dwayne is at the nail and Chandler's at the semicircle and Dwayne Wade at six, four somehow gets from the free throw line to in front of Chandler at the rim and blocks him one handed oh. in. It was, I could not believe what I saw for a guard to do that behind the play and then score on the other end. It's like, no one talks about it. And I always, that is like the greatest thing I've ever seen an athlete do. I, I don't understand how that happened. I've watched it a million times, but I just wanted to give my boy D way a shout out. Cause that, that play is forgotten because they didn't win that series. And yeah. it was the, no worst. one wants to watch yeah. those games over again, but you know, the, the unfortunate thing, and I promise we're not veering down this different road. I promise listeners. Um, Dwayne is the one reason to go back and watch that stuff because he really was like at that point, mind, body, spirit connection. He was at the height of, of some of that stuff where you kind of figure out like the timing of things and you're still athletic enough to get up high enough. And there's just, um, he was really at a level and we don't talk about it enough. You're right about that. That defensive play should come up more often, but as we talked about, frisky the frisky toronto raptors and that they would be it <laughs> i'm laughing sorry i don't mean to make uh like to just laugh at that but it's just funny to, to think about calling them frisky like so does that mean they're a seven seed alex like define frisky like are they they're not are they a playing team are they better exactly. than a playing team they're destined to be a seven seed unless again if scotty barnes is develops a lot faster than everybody's expecting, right? Like if he just becomes an all-star level player this year, then I think they're on a different trajectory. Like I think they, they might be competitive enough to 
um, deal with other teams at that point, right? Because he, he he's at a different level athletically. But why do you uh, say seven? I think seven is they're right, you know, right there. I think they're gonna be six, seven because it's it's pretty deep. Who man. do you think is better you, than them? Like, I don't do know you if you've done Cleveland's some better than them. All right. Um, so if we're just talking Eastern Conference, I think let, let's start right. We've got Milwaukee, Boston. You got the Heat. You've got the I mean, uh, the Sixers. You've got the Nets. You've got the Cavs. What are we doing with the Nets? Bulls. What we, like, what? All of those teams are going to be good regular season. What, teams. what? What? What have the Bulls done to inspire confidence in that? Because we same, don't have. Mike. We have They're no idea if Lonzo teams. has a working knee. DeMar DeRozan, I promise, is not going to do that again. And what, you're putting yeah. in career winner Zach Levine, and I put winner in air quotes. Like, what has that guy ever done? So it's The Raptors like, are better than Bulls. All I'm saying is the East is deep with teams that should be good in the regular season. The I think it's full of a bunch of okay teams. Like, Cleveland is, like, going to be cute, right? They have little uh, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good. They're gonna, I don't think they're going to be better than Toronto. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. think. I don't think. I don't think there's a way in hell that they're better than Toronto. I don't know. I think you're 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 going a little <laughs> too far there. Because you like the Donovan Mitchell line, that much? So look, I like Donovan Mitchell, but it's not just about him. Along the same line of logic that I was just talking about with Scotty Barnes, is the the the, the thing with Mobley. It's like you're gonna have two awesome rim protectors. Mobley is gonna be a guy who can switch out. They're gonna have two like big time scoring playmakers. It's all about like if, if the role players can hit any shots, if they're just going to have somebody who the other team can sell out on, like, I don't know if they're just going to end up going Kevin Love, you know, as their fifth guy, but like just in general, the Cavs look like they're going to win like 53, 54 games. That's what, that's what I'm talking about here when it comes to the Raptors ending up as like a six or seven seed. Like a lot I of these teams the, are going to be good. I think the Cavs probably have more championship equity. Not that they're going to win a championship, but I think they have more playoff <laughs> equity. Because they have equity. they have a better like kind of go to scorer, and I think that they have enough defensive players that they can they can kind of eat their way into a series win. I think Toronto, you have some questions about their offense, and I'm sure we're going to get into Van Vliet and his finishing and all that stuff later. But in the regular season, you know, as Kenneth Arnavid said, grown men win basketball games. You know what I mean? Like Cleveland's very young, and Toronto is full of vets, and Scotty's really the only young guy. You know, you add another vet and Otto. I think that that team is pretty shoe in for a top six or, you know, five or a six spot. You know what I mean? Like you look at Brooklyn. I don't, I mean, we, I don't think last year inspired too much confidence and two dudes that are always hurt. And I, what's Joe Harris's situation. There's a lot going on over there. Uh, we talked, I just talked about Chicago. A Atlanta is like the biggest question mark. Like they're so Jekyll and yeah. Hyde all the time. Well, there's and like nine good teams in the East though, is what is my point, right? Like there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in a similar range wins wise, I think. So and I think Miami is probably an injury away from kind of dropping to five, six, you know what I mean? Like you're going to be further. in the range. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, so what, what's Toronto's path then G like if you're saying as is, as you go into the seasons, your expectations for them are somewhere in the four or five range. Is that the, no, I think five, six, I, I think four is like everything breaks, right? No one gets hurt. Scotty is like amazing. And Fred Van Vliet can suddenly like finish at the rim. That's so like high end. Gary Trent starting next to Fred Van Vliet. Keep me honest. Is that how that's yeah. happening? Mm -hmm. So Gary, the, the thing with Gary is like, I like Gary. I do think that he has his warts and I think he's, I mean, like a lot of shooters, he can be pretty streaky. And I think his defense is sometimes not great, but 
it kind of they don't really have a two guard that they like you know what i mean so it's like it's him and fred and i don't really think either of them you want at point guard honestly like a guy like kyle lowry makes a lot of sense there you know what i mean a, a kind of organizer to your offense even theoretically Dragic, not really like kind of point guard that they need because Dragic is kind of a get the ball up the floor and get the ball in the net kind of guy, not really a distributor. So Fred kind of takes on that role, which I don't think is his optimized role. I think he's a really good passer. He doesn't turn the ball over as much as you'd think. And he's a really good shooter. I think his kind of finishing is really his Achilles heel and is ultimately what's going to cap him and, and this team. But they don't have kind of that point guard that I think you're super comfortable with. And I think Raptors fans, would, most Raptors fans would probably agree with that. Uh, but their strength is in the wings. You think that um, their vision is like we have two and maybe three with Scotty, depending on his development, three places that we can consistently generate some offense from What when it's – when you're including – uh, Van Vliet, when you're including Siakam, and then you're including C- uh, again Scotty if he develops at a fast pace. Like I think that's kind of the best case scenario for them to to win games in the playoffs. It's like trying to evenly distribute it between those guys and and not have a, a predictable game plan. Just because I don't think they have the offensive talent to to have a predictable game plan. I think they got to kind of switch it up and get a little creative because like Siakam is a really good player. He's not a traditional guy who you just run offense through. Like you cannot go heliocentric with any one of those guys, right? So I just think they, they're a t- type of team where if they can figure out uh, like the kinks of a motion offense and if they can like figure that part out, they could be scary for real because I just think it's all about their rhythm and, and, and their tempo because – the spacing could get wonky, uh, specifically, like you said, if, if Trent or, or Van Vliet are streaky, if you consider those guys streaky, they're the spacers, right? Outside of that, it's like Scotty and Precious, right? By the way, you got to get Precious Love, who showed some stuff at the end of the season. Like, he might end up being the starting five for all you know. No, but, no, I, I don't think there's a question. He'll probably – it's it's going to be between him and, and, uh, and Boucher. Wait, that- wait, wait, wait. But wouldn't they start – Siakam, Barnes, OG. I don't think they'll start Pascal at the five. I know. So last year, so I mean that that was the five man combination that played the most minutes last year. Yeah. So well, Pascal and Precious together, without any other big, is Uh their highest used big combination. Pascal Mm -hmm. at the five is their second most, and they're separated by a minute. I think that they'll probably start Achua. And they'll close with Siakam at the five. I know that it's something that even when Ibaka was there, they didn't nurse didn't want to go to, even though I thought it was more effective. I'm curious as to how they play that. And the way that nurse decides to do that is really going to dictate a lot. I think theoretically he'd like to play Achua with Siakam. Uh, but if that's just going to hurt your offense too much, then they're just, it just becomes untenable. Um, you know, you need as much spacing as you can, you know, to kind of touch back on, on Van Vliet finishing numbers at the rim by season from, uh, from most recent to, to rookie year, 50%, 44, 48, 49, 48, 39. That's abysmal. Okay. I want to ask you something here. And I think this is going to really be a nice little bar for where your fandom lies right now and which percentage is higher than the other. I think you know what's coming. I'm trying to set you up so you can think about it for a second. But 
if the Heat and the Raptors, as they stand right now, were to play each other in a playoff series, I'm not even going to give you home court. And nobody has home court advantage. I just want to, like, I just want to hear your thoughts on that series and what it would look like right now in a vacuum, given that the Heat are coming into this season smaller and everything that has been talked about over and over and over for months at this point, uh, right, that we already know about them losing PJ, just bringing in Jovic over the summer. As it stands right now, let's say nine months from now or whatever, however long it would be when the playoffs were to start. So, you know, projecting forward a little bit, who would win in that series? Yeah. Seeing five, Alex. I mean, come on. What are you talking about? I don't believe listeners. He just switched up his hat. The Raptors hat came off and the heat championship hat came on. Alex, it's, it's heat and five. And I'll tell you this Toronto, I think is a good team. I'd even pick heat and five if they don't have home court. Miami is playing for a title. Toronto is playing to like have a nice little season and maybe win a round. And that's just the facts. Miami would have the two best players in the series. I don't care what Raptor fans say. Pascal is not better than Bam. I I love you guys. Uh, That's just not true. Um, Miami, I think has shown even without a power forward, uh, they had basically had their whole starting lineup without a lower body. And they pushed the Celtics to within a shot of making the finals. They absolutely embarrassed and took apart who was allegedly the MVP, who that guy cried to the media and said, if you don't vote me as MVP, you guys hate me. Uh, you know, they did everything. They made Trey Young, who was the alleged best player in the series, look like he did not belong in the NBA. He looked like he belonged at Olympic Park. They are really good. Jimmy Butler was arguably the best player in the playoffs, for sure the best player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think that is like, I don't think, I mean, I think it's him and Giannis, right? Uh, and, And I think the fact that that's even a conversation is a testament to what Jimmy does. And I just don't think the Raptors have any solution for that. I think Jimmy is stronger than any of those guys, except for OG Ananobi. And OG is going to have his hands full because they're going to get him switched everywhere because that's one of the problems with the switch defense is you can match up, manipulate, as we saw the Heat do to other teams and them do to them. You can get guys switched around. And Miami, I think their biggest like advantage is they're so good at matchup manipulation, particularly Jimmy. And they get the matchups they want. And that's why their offense, even in the regular season, it doesn't inspire much confidence. In the playoffs, they make it work because they can get the ones, they can get the looks they want when they want them, when it counts. So I think I just wouldn't pick Toronto. I mean, even if Miami has a poor regular season, they're just too good. Unless they're hurt and like Jimmy looks like he did, you know, in that Buck series that we don't talk about anymore because there's a, a lot went into that. What buck uh, series? Well, yeah, exactly. What buck series? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't. I mean, it. I think it'd be physical. I think it'd be violent. I wouldn't want to play them because I want guys healthy and fresh. I want to play Atlanta. I want a cakewalk. I want to waltz in. I, you know, although I guess Miami did get injured in that Atlanta series and that cost them their title. But you know, I want path of least resistance. Have you ever waltzed anywhere in your entire life? Um. You know, I waltzed to my stream setup whenever they beat the Sixers. I would literally dance because it was so happy. That's what's up. I'm I'm about that life. Um. All right. So quick hitters here. Uh, the Raptors won 48 games last season. Over or under that total, G. For next season, sorry. Um. 
this is quick so you just yeah I, i'd say under. right right out there so maybe like a hair under hair under um fred van vliet was at 20 points on reasonable percentages at least from three i'm looking at it 38 percent um does fred van vliet shoot better than he did year prior at the rim yes, yes. or no yes Ah, so you think that improves? Interesting. Um, OG Anunobi started. Let's see here. I can't see how many games he started, but he played in forty-eight. Does he start over or under forty-eight games started next season? Over. Ooh, just to quote Skip Bayless, way over. So who comes off the bench then? Let me just quickly slide in here just to clarify. If you're saying Precious is starting and you're saying OG has to start and you're saying Trent and Van Vliet and Siakam. Well, I don't know if Barnes, I don't know if Barnes would start and they can, they can. That's interesting. And Anobi there. You're out of your mind. You think so? I feel like Barnes was an auto start. You think they would start Precious over Scotty Barnes? It's complicated. Well, I mean, mean, it depends. It depends if they want to go with a five or not. I mean, it depends. Absolutely not complicated. Probably you're right. No, I, I think it's more complicated than you think. It's like, I don't think the Heat want to start Jimmy Butler at the four. They may not have a choice, even though that may be their best lineup. They may not do it. Like, I think it's like 50-50 whether they start Jimmy at the five. Uh, and like, I, I get laughed going. at when I'm like- It's the Myers Leonard thing. Huh? Yeah. I'm like, Caleb Martin might start at the four. And people are like, you're crazy. And I was like, it's not so crazy- like when it happens, like it might happen. So weirder things have happened, Alex. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that like, I can, I can see a world where they try a lot of stuff. It's oh, Look, starting precious is fine. Like I'm not, I think OG Ananobi is the second best player on the team, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. Like right. I was going to get to a point, but now I want to get to that. Like he's the second best player. Who's the first Siakam? Pascal. Yeah. Wow. So you Pascal, have OG Freddie in that order. You think so? You think Ananobi's general just elite three and Dness plus extra scoring? I know he took a you know nice little step there last season. Gives you more of a of an overall impact than what Van Vliet does as their biggest uh, playmaker and creator. So I think so. This year we really saw kind of last season, I should say, we saw an improvement in kind of the on ball stuff with him. He, he had the the big jump in kind of like on-ball production, running pick and roll, stuff like that. It looked really good. He got injured, and that kind of didn't happen anymore. And I think he had to kind of work to fight his way kind of back into the shape he needed to be and kind of fit into what Toronto was doing that was already successful, which was their super small lineups, you know, when he went out and all that. OG plays the five a lot too, by the way. So, like, Pascal would probably not even be defending the center when OG's out there. OG often defends the center's. We saw that in the bubble series uh, where, where OG would guard uh, whoever Boston's five was uh, and, and same in the regular season. So, you know, you, I think they'd rather have Pascal as a helper anyway. I have OG on the ball. So Alex there, I think like the same way we don't know who's starting at the four for Miami. I think Toronto's kind of starting lineup is going to be something that we're going to see develop over time. And Nick nurse, like Eric Spolstra will like to tinker. He'll try a bunch of stuff and then they'll see what works. I just think the idea of like precious starting and not Scotty is absolutely blasphemous. I agree. I agree. But we precious. Like I think precious should start for them probably, but I think they're Eric's poster started Luke Babbitt. 
I think their closing lineup Precious should not be in it. Like I think that's I think that's fair. Is is Precious Achua like more egregious than Luke Babbitt? Like yeah, no. there's there's been some placeholder starters. Um, Precious over Scotty is my thing. Yeah, no, that that is interesting, that bro. They they started Max Struess over Tyler Hero. You don't think other teams are like, Whoa, what are they doing? That's a good point. Um, is Scotty uh, like six eleven? Also, he 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 could just be there five. Like they'll figure he, it out, man. They're, they're gonna try. Th- they're gonna try I'm stuff. Telling you right now, we're gonna see this in like two three weeks when training camp rolls in. I'm. I'm I'm telling you this right now. Look back on this podcast. We're going to see a picture of Scotty Barnes, and it's going to go viral, and he's going to look massive. I, I absolutely see it coming, and he's going to be there five this season. I'm going to be at the game in Miami when they play early, so we'll, we'll look at it together, and we'll, 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 I'll make fun of you when Precious is starting. Muscle watch? Huh? We're on muscle watch here. We're on muscle watch? And we've reached that point of the program. I went through all those over and unders with you because I am getting revved back up with prize picks. It is my favorite daily fantasy uh, platform on planet Earth. And right now they will match your initial deposit if you use the code five. So go to prizepicks.com. They have a great desktop platform, but also a great app that you can download from whatever app store you find your apps. It's daily fantasy made easy. Big payouts, 24-7 live support, fast and secure withdrawals. You don't have to take my word for it. Go to the website, read what other members are saying. Um, There's all kinds of really great testimony right on the site. Get in the game today, available in all um, or most of the states. Uh, There's a couple exceptions. Um, But use the code five to get your deposit matched up to $100. I definitely am taking the Raptors under 48 wins under the Miami heat from a seeding perspective. I do not believe they're as good a team as Miami. I'm it's refreshing to hear G come on this show and say the Miami heat are playing for an NBA championship next year and whatever other team is doing, whatever other team is doing, because if you were to pulse check heat fans on one specific social media platform, which is a small percentage of the total, you would think that they're heading for a lottery season. Um, closing thoughts. I know Alex wanted to rapid fire a few hot takes. This is kind of the open forum section. Ethan, this is when Ethan starts to sweat. Like, what are we going to say on this show that we shouldn't? Um, so the floor's yours, as we say here at five reasons sports network, uh, Alex, I'll start with you. Uh, you wanted to, uh, call out some of those hot takes from earlier in the episode. Yeah. I mean, G just, stuck in some in there about like the Sixers still being a comedy show which I'm always a proponent of those jokes I just think it's hard to throw the you know the the jokes their way this offseason after they took our guy you know considering the Heat had just done the same thing taking <laughs> PJ Tucker away from and we a conference rival <laughs> yeah I know and then on top of that they added DeAnthony Melton who's like a like a legit good player you know they added some death pieces with, you know, Daniel House, Trezor are not going to make any real difference, but they just added like actual death along with good players. They had like a decent summer. So it's hard to throw the jokes their way, even though I'm still not taking them serious as a championship contender. Like watch that's a given. Alex, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to read to you. So when, when the PJ news broke, I was on vacation in Italy. I was coming back from the bar and I'm going to read to you what I tweeted when I found out about the PJ signing. Can't wait for Embiid and Doc to publicly complain about spacing after another second round exit when PJ goes one for eight. They can't do any of the cute um, 
PJ stuff that the that Spo was doing here because of the spacing there and the fact that they have to run like Embiid post offense. So Alex, he's going to be relegated back to being that a hundred percent standing in the corner guy that everybody thought he was when he was going to be on. Let's be honest here. Miami lost for a couple reasons. One of which was PJ Tucker lost them the series because the big shift, there were two big shifts in that series. One was Rob Williams deciding not guarding PJ Tucker in the corner. That was a move that, that, um, that they, that the Celtics made and it changed the series. The second one was going drop because Miami clearly couldn't buy a jump shot because Max had lower injury, lower body injury. Uh, Kyle had a lower body. All their drop killers had lower body injuries, Tyler, all that stuff. So what happens when PJ is ignored in the corner, you know, Williams comes up to the nail, you know, you have Horford in a drop. Bam is rolling into space, but Bam's rolling into two bigs. The shooters can't hit anything coming off the screen and roll. And then what's PJ left to do? They even tried running, having PJ trigger handoffs, similar to what they did against the Lakers, having Crowder do it when they moved AD onto Jimmy. They tried everything. And PJ's lack of a jump shot, and part of that was his injury, but PJ's lack of, of good, consistent shooting and like other areas of his game that he didn't have cost them a shot at the finals. So it's like heat fans are really mad because they lost him. And I totally agree because I'm upset too, but like, let's also not forget what we just watched because that dude was borderline unplayable on offense. And he was actively like ruining anything that they had. So for us to now go, Oh my God, Philly's so scary. They have less shooting a, a worse coach. Like what, what are we talking about? Like, I'm supposed to be scared of that because when Embiid is going to do his little post up on the block, right. They're going to run two man game with Maxi, And then somebody's going to be like, I'm not guarding PJ Tucker and I'm not guarding Tobias Harris. And Joel Embiid is a turnover factory. A, a, he's like, he mass produced turnovers. Like he's Henry Ford. And we're to now be afraid of that because every time we watch a playoff series with the Sixers, it ends the same way. And beat is embarrassed. He, he coughs a ball up. He can't score. He starts complaining. And then someone else on the team gets blamed. So how many iterations of this do we need to do? Whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's PJ Tucker, Doc Rivers, Tobias Harris, we going to keep doing this circle until we realize that that doesn't work. So I'm not scared of them, and I will never take them seriously as presently constructed. Darius Days will have a better season next year than P.J. Tucker. Write it down. Let's go. Good night. Gabe Vincent, too. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
head to Hero.co to shop today.